0: What is going on, y'all? This is your boy, A1Hoops, back up in your notification feed with another episode of the podcast. And without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Now, first off, let's go ahead and talk about Nick Wright and Kyrie Irving. I'm not sure if you guys saw the tweet, but basically last week, my guy Nick Wright went out and tweeted that Kyrie Irving will reportedly retire if he were to somehow be traded from the Brooklyn Nets. Let's talk about that for a minute, shall we? Now, first of all, that's complete nonsense. That's definitely not true. How do we know that's not true? My guy Kyrie, literally himself, Kyrie Irving, his actual Twitter account, he went and replied to Nick Wright with a puppet gif. Like a gif of like a puppet being manipulated. To basically imply that Nick Wright doesn't know what he's talking about. And I gotta be honest, I'm on Kyrie's side here. He basically fried Nick Wright. He made him look like a clown. And that's pretty much what it is at this point. Kyrie Irving does not want to retire. He loves the game of basketball. The thing we do with Kyrie Irving is that we kind of give him unnecessary hate. You know, we say things like, oh, you know, he should just want to play basketball 24-7. People accuse him of not loving the game just because he doesn't go or seem to go as hard for it like a Kobe Bryant did, like a Michael Jordan. But... That's because Kyrie Irving is his own man. He's his own person. He's the type of guy that isn't affected or manipulated by the masses in the way that you know some other people are. you know obviously, there's nothing wrong with saying you're affected by what other people say or think about you. I mean, everybody has certain things, everybody's sensitive to one thing or another. but for Kyrie Irving, you know he's just really not like that. He doesn't care about stuff like that. And sometimes he feels like he needs to distance himself. Obviously, last season, there was a point in time where, you know what? He was like, oh, I just want to take a week off from the game of basketball. Or was it like two weeks? And he got a lot of slack for that. You know, he he didn't tell coaches or anything like that. So basically, people accuse Kyrie Irving of not loving the game of basketball, despite being the one one of the most skilled players the game has ever seen. That doesn't make any sense to me. How are you one of the most skilled players ever? I mean, some people would say he's the most skilled ever but you don't really love the game of basketball, does that make any sense to any of y'all? In order for you to become that good at any particular craft, you literally have to love what you're doing. Otherwise, it'll never work out for you. Kyrie Irving loves the game of basketball just because he's not like everybody else or he's not, you know, one of these dogs like Jimmy Butler or Kobe Bryant was or like Michael Jordan was doesn't mean that he doesn't love the game of basketball. So for Nick Wright to go out and say, oh, you know what, Uh, Kyrie's this, Kyrie's that, if you do trade Kyrie, he's a cancer. If you know, if Kyrie does get traded, I'm hearing for sure that he'll uh, retire. It's not cool to be spreading out misinformation like that. Um and obviously Kyrie Irving addressed it himself and went ahead and said, "Oh, you know what? Boom, you're a puppet." Hit him with that puppet gif. Now, let's just be honest about one thing. We know what Nick Wright is trying to do here. He's been doing this ever since the moment Kyrie left the Cavs in order to play on his own team. Back in about 2017. Basically, he's been trying to downplay Kyrie Irving ever since then. And it's simply to push a narrative. A very obvious one that, hey, you know what? I think LeBron is the GOAT. Now, this isn't a LeBron topic. I'm not going to sit here and spend a lot of time on LeBron. I personally don't think he's the GOAT. Obviously, a top three player in NBA history. One of the very best we've ever seen. Generational. All those things out the window. But with that being said... Nick Wright has definitely, over the years, tried to poison viewers' minds on their perception of Kyrie Irving. In other words, he does things all the time to kind of put down Kyrie as if he's not that guy, as if he's as if he's not one of those just elite players in the league. And he's not even the only one that does this. Someone as recently as Stephen A. Smith just did that today, this morning. He went ahead and said, "Oh, you know, Kyrie Irving for Ben Simmons." as if Ben Simmons is anywhere close to the basketball player that Kyrie Irving is. He's not. Kyrie is a lot better than he is. And I don't care that Ben Simmons is the better defender or the better rebounder or pretty much better at everything. The gap between Kyrie and Ben Simmons in terms of just putting the ball into the basket, which is what the game of basketball is about at the end of the day, newsflash, the gap between their abilities to both do that is immeasurable. Kyrie Irving is legitimately one of the five most gifted players ever in terms of skill set. And he just finished averaging 27 points per game on 50-40-90. And you mean to tell me that Ben Simmons is better than him just because he can play the other, end the, the other end of the basketball better than he can? It's not. It's nonsense. We saw what Ben Simmons did in the playoffs. It's nonsense. He's not the player that Kyrie Irving is. And just this, this Kyrie hate media or just this media treatment towards Kyrie Irving is honestly just weird and annoying. And honestly, I mean, like I said before, I, I think he loves the game of basketball. I don't think he wants to retire. But if he were to somehow prematurely retire from the game, I think one of these things or just you know the media in general, I think that'll be one of the reasons why he does do it because he is treated unfairly. He's constantly blamed for how he for what went down in the Boston locker room back in the 2019 season when it, they just completely erupted and just melted down and they had a terrible playoff run. They got decimated by the Milwaukee Bucks. And he was pretty much blamed for the downfall of the Boston Celtics, and he still is blamed for that today. But what we go ahead and ignore is the fact that we've had players literally come out and say it was not Kyrie Irving's fault. And the media will still try to poison the masses and say it was Kyrie Irving's fault. Jason Tatum literally had an interview with, I believe it was uh, Maria Taylor, you know the, the black shorty, the one, the one that works for ESPN. Literally had a whole interview and she asked him about this. She said, oh, you know, was Kyrie a cancer? Was he the reason why it didn't work out in Boston? And Jason Tatum said, look, it was not his fault. A lot of it was management, a lot of it was just, you know, a lot of other things going on. It was egos, but it was not Kyrie Irving's fault, literally what he said. But yet, we just had this weird treatment towards Kyrie Irving, and I really don't understand why. He's his own man, he's his own dude, and that's just what it is as far as Kyrie Irving is concerned. The way the media treats Kyrie, and that's pretty much what this whole segment is about, it's just honestly ridiculous. And it's just something I wanted to talk about because it did happen very recently recently last week with the Nick Wright tweet, pretty much making a fake, pretty much tweeting out fake news saying, hey, you know, Kyrie's going to go ahead and request a trade. Uh, I'm sorry. No, he said Kyrie's going to retire if he does get traded, and that's just completely not true. And then we have Stephen A. Smith coming out and saying, oh, you know, go ahead and trade Kyrie for Ben Simmons, but basically the only reason why that won't happen is because of Kevin Durant, which is, is another topic within itself. But basically. That's what it is on the Kyrie Irving thing. Now, I had just mentioned Ben Simmons, and that's what we're going to be talking about now. By we, I mean me, because if you're nine minutes into this podcast and you haven't realized it's just me on here, I don't know what you are (laughs) waiting on. But honestly, the whole Ben Simmons situation is honestly very funny to me. I, I actually laugh every time I read about it on Twitter, on the news or, you know, sports media when I read about it. I just think it's hilarious how he's acting. Because this man has, like, a full contract left. I think it's, what, four years? And he's acting as if he has this amount of leverage, as if he's, like, a superstar. The way he's, Ben Simmons is acting like he's legitimately Michael Jordan. Like, he has so much value, and he's just so good. And this isn't a Ben Simmons slander. This is Ben Simmons facts. Because the fact of the matter is, he's not that good. Let me just go ahead and be very blunt with you. We saw what happened in the playoffs. This man can't hit free throws. He attempted like four shots in the last four fourth quarters against the Hawks. He literally passed open that wide open dunk to literally tie the game up or uh, at the tie or take the lead or something like that in game, I believe, seven or six. He literally passed up a wide open dunk because he's scared. I don't want to hear anything from a Ben Simmons fans or Philly fans talking about, oh, it was a smart play. It wasn't a smart play. It was Ben. He, he spun to the basket, went baseline, and it was Trey Young under the basket dunk on his little self. Feel me? I would have says I would have swore just now, but I don't want to know how Apple is, and but forget about it. Anyways, he could have just dunked the basketball. He didn't. He has real demons. He's not like that. He's not that guy. He's not skilled. He lacks a lot of fundamentals of the game. He's literally a six foot ten point guard who can't shoot in a league where even centers are popping threes now. So like, what, what offensive value is he giving to you in the fourth or late in games outside of being a very good passer and very good playmaker? He's great in transition, I'll give you that. He's great at finishing at the basket with either hand, I'll give you that. But, I mean, at 6'10", is that really impressive? It's kind of hard to not be great around the basket when you're 6'10". And the goal is pretty much right there. But, back to the whole trade situation. Alright, the best spot for Ben Simmons to land is obviously Portland. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. And it's a perfect trade for him and C.J. McCollum. The salaries match well, and I think both teams will be getting what they want. And this is something that I actually made a whole YouTube video about. It's only about four or five minutes long, but basically, I'm going to go ahead and cover a lot of things I said in that video. Basically, if you trade Ben Simmons for C.J. McCollum, what are you actually getting? If you're Philly, you're getting a player that can actually create and make his own shots late in fourth quarters and in games. He, despite not ever having made an All-Star team, C.J. McCollum is one of the very best players in the league, top thirty top 35 i don't i don't think that's a stretch just because he doesn't have any of these accolades like you know you know these media board awards that like everybody else got for some reason people don't act like he's that good he just finished averaging about 24 25 points per game at one point he was actually leading dame lillard in scoring for the portland trailblazers to start last season off but of course he's not going to get any recognition because he's playing in a western conference with players like dame like russ well not russ anymore he's in the east uh, well, now he's back in the West uh, with James Harden, who played his entire career in the West uh, with Steph. I mean, with Dame himself, his own teammate. So obviously the, the West has been very stacked with guards. And that's why he never really got that type of recognition that he's always, you know, that he really does deserve. So for Ben Simmons to be traded for CJ McCollum, Philly would honestly, they would honestly be getting better. They already have great defensive players like, you know, like Thibel, Maxie, Joel Embiid, um, But if you make that trade, Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum, you're getting a guy who can get buckets from the perimeter late in games. There's no shot creators on that Philly basketball team. Everything is pretty much working through Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons is not a shot creator himself either. And not to sound like ball don't stop, but you need guys that can get you a bucket. The Portland Trailblazers, on the other hand, would be getting exactly what the doctor ordered in a guy like Ben Simmons. Now I'm going to go ahead and praise Ben Simmons because he is an excellent defensive player. He can pretty much cover up for the deficiencies that Dame Lillard has on that side of the basketball. And not only that, he can actually give Dame a good rest offensively because he's very, very good at handling the ball and distributing as well. So Ben Simmons to Portland does make a lot of sense. It's on both sides, honestly. Um, as far as other teams, we've heard that the Minnesota Timberwolves are in the mix. Um, for a, for a while, him going to the Warriors was a kind of a thing. I mean, people were talking about it. I'm not sure if that's a thing anymore, but they were saying Draymond for Ben Simmons. But I'm going to go ahead and be very blunt with you. If Ben Simmons gets traded to the Golden State Warriors for, for a package that revolves around Draymond Green, my guy Joel Embiid is putting in his two weeks notice because he's quitting. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's a joke. But he's not he's gonna start requesting a trade too like he's gonna want to be up out of there as well, and that's just not gonna be good for the philadelphia seventy sixers I think the best option would be to go ahead and get c j if Portland is willing to deal him i mean you can't it's just a a very bad situation because Ben Simmons really thinks he's that guy he thinks he's that nice and he's gonna go ahead and hold out for the season and not play a game for the Philadelphia 76ers ever again. But he's just going to be getting fined, and nothing's going to be happening. Nobody's jumping at the chance to trade for Ben Simmons because his trade value at this current moment is rock bottom. People are saying, oh, he should get traded for Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal's locked up. He's not going over. He's staying in D.C. So set sail to that dream. It's not happening. This whole Ben Simmons thing, I honestly don't even know it's going to happen. I'm at a point to now where... I mean <laughs> he, he might he might end up at Walmart just you know doing groceries or something because I don't really see what's going to happen or what's realistic for Ben Simmons outside of him going to Portland and if Portland doesn't take that deal if it is offered then what is going to happen to Ben Simmons because he's very, he's expressed numerous times that he doesn't want to play for Philly anymore and we have heard rumors of a trade for Ben Simmons coming out of Houston that trade is centered around John Wall. If you go ahead and trade Ben Simmons for John Wall, my guy Joel Embiid is going to have a heart attack because that trade is not doing anything for the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid is in his prime. He's ready to go ahead and win and compete for championships, and he hasn't even been out of the second round yet. If Philly doesn't get it together to figure out what they can do for Ben Simmons, which I'm not even sure what they can do as far as you know moving him, Joel Embiid is going to want out as well. And then we're going to be in a very weird situation as far as the entire NBA is concerned because now contracts won't even mean anything. So, I mean, Adam Silver at some point probably going to have to step in and do something or sanction him or the, the Philadelphia 76ers or something because the way that is going right now, it's almost as if contracts don't matter. With James Harden last year, he forced his way out of Houston. That's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but basically he forced his way out of Houston. He's a superstar player, one of the five best players in the league, probably when he's healthy. And, I mean, he's earned the right in terms of just being a superstar player, a generational type player. He's led the league in scoring over the last decade at about 28.2 points per game. He's the leading scorer for the last 10 seasons. He's one of the very best. He's proven. He's an MVP. He's a multiple-time scoring title, scoring champ. So, obviously, James Harden is proven and Not to say that he's earned the right to do stuff like that because you should be playing out your contract. That's what you signed it for. But it's not a bad look when he does it because he's one of the money makers for the NBA. Who cares about Ben Simmons outside of Philly? Nobody does. I'm not even sure how he made an all-star team. He made an all-defensive team. I guess that was deserved. But the all-stars, that's not deserved. He's never been that good. And to think that we used to have debates about Ben Simmons in terms of who should Philly keep. Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, I think that answer is clear as day now. It's obviously Joel Embiid. Now, back in the day, maybe around 2018, 2019, people were legitimately saying that Ben Simmons is the next LeBron James. Now, how dumb do y'all sound right now? Like, anyone who actually said that, especially people in the media, you shouldn't even be allowed to talk basketball anymore because I think I was the only person who thought that that was such nonsense and people used to kill me for that. Oh, you don't know who. You don't know the game. They called me a madman. But it's that's the facts. Ben Simmons has never been that good. Back when talks of Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons moving forward was a thing, I've been saying Joel Embiid should be the guy to stay. And I've been said Ben Simmons should be the one to go. And that didn't happen. So as far as the whole Ben Simmons situation, once again, in conclusion for that part of the show, I, it's, it's a wrap. I think it's funny. We're going to see what happens. Obviously, we're all going to continue to monitor the situation. But... I mean the Sixers is cooked. And so is so is Ben Simmons. Now next up, let's go ahead and switch gears completely. This ain't the Joe Rogan show, so my transitions is not like that. But we're gonna be talking about LeBron James now. And I mean let's just be real, he's earned the right. LeBron James, one of the three best players in NBA history at worst. If you're a hater, then you have him below top three. But if you're objective, no matter how much you hate LeBron, you have to admit he is top three. And because he is one of the very best players we've ever seen, he has earned the right to be talked about a lot. <laughs> but with that being said, let's just talk about LeBron, his longevity, and when he's finally going to go ahead and wrap it up. When is his career going to actually be finished? When is he going to go ahead and just you know hang it up and just never play the game ever again? Now, that's something that ever since 2015, people have been talking about. We can all recall that famous tweet or infamous tweet, so to speak, about, oh, it's 2015. This LeBron stuff won't be going on much sooner. Like they were pretty much predicting he' about to fall off very, very soon, and they've been very wrong about that. Not only have they been wrong, but like it's almost the opposite. He's had seasons since twenty fifteen that were way better than what he played in in twenty fifteen. Twenty seventeen was a great season for him. He was an MVP candidate, I believe he was fourth in MVP voting. Uh, twenty twenty, he came in second in MVP voting to Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, he's just, he's one of the very best players ever. He takes care of his body very, very well. And I think that's why his longevity has been what it has been since to this point. I mean, when you talk about longevity, it's really only Kareem and LeBron at this point. And that's because of how much he takes care of his body, like I just mentioned. He spends, it's been reported that he spends almost $2 million a year on, you know, just working out, diet, training, things of that nature to make sure that he is operating at peak capacity. But no matter what it is that you do, the saying is Father Time is undefeated. And knowing this, we have to assume that at some point in time, LeBron is going to go ahead and wrap it up. Now, obviously, he's chasing the ghost in Chicago and Michael Jordan. Um, I think that shit's pretty much sailed. I think Michael Jordan's just a far superior basketball player on both sides of the ball. But LeBron does have the longevity argument, so to speak. So basically, because he's dominated the game for so long... A lot of people will say that LeBron is a go mostly because of that longevity thing, and that's fine. I don't agree, but, I mean, that's your cake, not mine. But let's go ahead and talk about when he's actually going to retire and what do I think about it. Last season, it didn't end the way that the Laker fans, Laker Nation, wanted it to. Uh, They got eliminated in the first round. Anthony Davis was pretty much a shell of himself, and that's mostly due to injuries throughout the entire season. I mean, it was career worse, career lows across the board for AD. And then LeBron got hurt. I forget who, but they pretty much clotheslined his ankle. He wasn't himself. I mean, obviously he was visually hurt, but even still, his body language language was just off. He wasn't doing a great job at leading his team. Um, Everything about it was just a bad look. Yes, I understand he was hurt, but still, he probably should have just sat out. And they got eliminated in six games by the Phoenix Suns, who would go on to make the NBA Finals. Is this a sign of things to come? Maybe um i would say lebron has about maybe three years left max in terms of his time in the nba i think after maybe he'll have a good year this year i think he'll start to drop next year and i think he'll retire the year after that uh, if that makes sense so basically one more good season that was like similar statistically to last season A you know assuming health of course then the year after that so the 2023 season i think he's going to start to decline just a little bit or a, a significant amount probably a significant amount and then the after that, he'll probably just retire. So I'll say maybe about three years, and then he's going to wrap it up. What we're going to see, though. I mean, we, there's no time, there's no real telling with LeBron James. People were saying he was watched up back in the 2019 season when he got injured the first time in an L.A. uniform, his groin. He even actually struggled with the groin a little bit in the 2020 season, but they ended up winning the championship. So, you know, it doesn't really matter. I guess he was able to fight through it. He was relatively healthy for the most of this season until that ankle went ahead and, you know, he he got hurt with that. But we're going to see. Like I said before, I think about maybe three more seasons or so, and then LeBron will be up out of here. But we'll never really know. Like I said, that's just one of the great things about LeBron James is that his longevity is pretty much unparalleled in the NBA as far as its history. Nobody's ever played this well for this long Um, Kareem is like the only person that even comes close, but I believe he retired after 20 seasons or 19 seasons and LeBron is entering his 20th season. So, I mean, we'll see how that goes, but that's pretty much after the LeBron stuff. And lastly, I just want to talk about one more thing. And this is something that is kind of, I guess is kind of controversial, not really in the media, but mostly on, you know, sports pages, sports, Twitter, NBA, Twitter, um, it's the topic of whether or not the NBA bubble which we had last year in the playoffs actually counted and I don't mean last year I mean the year before that so basically the 2019 twenty twenty season um at first when people made the claim that the bubble didn't count I kind of figured it was a joke I'm not I'm not I'm being dead serious I thought people were joking when they said that the NBA bubble didn't count because Maybe their favorite team just didn't play well. Maybe their team wasn't even invited to the bubble. Um, I pretty much figured they were joking, but come to the realization that they're being dead serious. So basically, there's a lot of people who think the bubble didn't count. I'm going to go ahead and give my thoughts on it. I'm going to tell you guys if I think it counts or not. And to not, you know, no surprises, I actually do think it counts. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't count. The NBA recorded it. The, the, regula- the rims was regulation. The ball was regulation. The lines was regulation. Uh, they counted on the stats. If you go to BasketballReference.com, NBA.com, all the stats counted. Just because TJ Warren got hot for a game and dropped fifty, it does it, it validates the whole thing. And honestly, I think it's very disrespectful to go ahead and say that the bubble doesn't count because you're basically saying I don't care that these players were away from their families for about four or five months. I don't care that they were stuck in a glorified hotel, basically. And they were pretty much isolated from everybody and everything. Weren't even allowed to leave. I don't care that they had to go through those conditions at all for our entertainment. I don't think anything they did counts. That's disrespectful. And if an NBA player who actually went to the bubble were to hear a fan say that, I honestly honestly feel like they would be disrespected. They'd be offended by by that, truth be told. Because you don't know what it's like to have to go through something like that. Imagine your job, right? Imagine your job tells you you need to go work in Orlando, Florida, right? Like, oh, yeah, we're going to send you to Orlando, right? And they're basically going to make you stuck at this glorified hotel, right? You can't talk to anybody outside the hotel. You You can't talk to any friends that you may or may not have in Orlando or in nearby cities. You cannot step foot outside of that hotel ever. And whenever you're done working, you have to go straight to your hotel room, right? Just for your coworkers to say, oh, none of that shit counts, like, that's so, then you'd be offended about it. You'd be like, what do you mean? Like, how does that not count? I was work, I was doing something that's harder than what you have to do. At least you get to go home to your family. I don't. I was here for five months. So for fans to go ahead and say that doesn't count, it really doesn't make sense to me. I get it. TJ Warren had a great game. He dropped 50 points. That could have happened anywhere, okay? So what's the real reason why the bubble doesn't count? I think the real reason is because whoever, whoever their favorite player is or favorite team didn't do well. And a lot of, them, mostly, a lot of Bucks fans are the ones saying that the bubble doesn't count. Why? Because their favorite player and favorite team got pretty much trashed by Miami. And they think, oh, well, you know what? Must not count. Just because the Miami Heat lost this season. Never mind the fact that this season, the Miami Heat were unhealthy for like the first few months of the regular season. And when they finally got it back together, the it was, the season was pretty much over. The only reason why it was that bad of a loss for Miami this playoffs, was that just passed, was a simple matter of Joel Embiid, not Joel Embiid, <laughs> Jimmy Butler, and Bam out of bio choking. That's why they lost like that. And I say we because I'm I am a Miami Heat fan. If anything, this season that just passed doesn't count. Why? Because we had so many games and 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 so many weeks on end where players are just on the injured list or on the COVID protocol list. Um, We almost didn't even have an all-star game. Matter of fact, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons didn't even get to play in the all-star game because of COVID protocols. So if anything, this season doesn't count. Uh, Everybody, almost all the star players were available in the Orlando bubble. The only ones that weren't were like who, Kyrie and Kevin Durant? I mean, who else didn't go? All the stars were there. So how does it not count? It doesn't count because your favorite player didn't do well or your favorite team didn't go far. That's why it doesn't count. I mean, what what happened in the bubble besides TJ Warren scoring 50 would even, would even what's the word I want to use here, would even grant that. Like, what, what, what justifies you saying the bubble doesn't count because TJ Warren got hot for a game? Or is it because Miami made the finals and Miami didn't play good this year? But I've already explained why Miami didn't play good this year. So for someone to come out and say that the bubble doesn't count, it just sounds like Haterade at this point. The bubble did count. I mean, it doesn't matter what you believe as a fan. It doesn't really matter what I believe either. The NBA counted it, so it counts. Deal with it. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. But that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. That was episode 36. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Just a quick, you know, cool conversation. Definitely hit me up on Twitter or anything like that. You know, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. I got it. Let me know what you guys think about the episode. And with that being said, stay blessed, man.